Guten Morgen, meine Damen und Herren, ich bin Martin Luther. Today we have a very, very special day, something that is very near and dear to my heart. These in Kindern will receive today their very first Bibles. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thank God. A good Christian should always have a good and haughty Amen. Amen. Oh, you know the word. Ah, so. Ah. I was warned by uh, one of your previous pastors that that word Amen, you're not always so quick to say. You like the word Amen? The Bible is God's word. God's word. Yeah? Huh? I cannot hear you. Ah, yes. So today, these kindred, these second graders will receive their very first graders. They're not second graders yet. Sorry, moms. Shall receive their very first Bibles. Do you know what the Bible is? Before I hand it to you, can you tell me what it is? God's Word. God's true word. Are you sure it's not just another book of history? A book of poems, perhaps. A book of stories with swords and knaves. Hey, mate. No pirates either in the Bible? Oh. It's God's word. Yes. The Bible is very special to me, Martin Luther. I learned. Come and look. Come and see. As I read and studied God's word, I found that salvation, forgiveness of sins, was God's free gift, that there was nothing that I could do, and I tried really hard. Do you sometimes try to be good? How's that going? (laughs) Not so good, eh? No. But Jesus, you see him up there? Jesus came, all goodness, all righteousness, to be our very life and to die for us. So that in faith in him, we know that we are forgiven and we read our Bibles and we come to church. This is what you want to do, yeah? 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 Well, then let's give you your Bibles then. May God bless you as you study his word. Amen? Amen. 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 Master Andrew Mayer. Your Bible, sir. May God bless you with his word. Miss Hadley Thayer. May God bless you with his word. Miss Alice McFarlane. May God bless you, young lady, with his word. Master Benjamin Young Durantis. May God bless you with his word. Miss Madeline Rose. Is it gas? Did I say that correctly, young lady? May God bless you with his word. You're welcome. All done. Oh, is this you? Do you want this? How badly do you want God's word? Ah, ha, ha, man. Stand up, young man. Mr. Braden Paul Jackson. May God bless you with his word. You're welcome, young man. Let us stand and pray to our Heavenly Father. 
Lord God, Heavenly Father, you cast the bright beams of your light upon us in this world through your holy word, revealing to us salvation, giving to us forgiveness of sins, and extolling life and salvation that you so freely and graciously bestow upon us. Bless our young children now who have received their Bibles. May these words be a lamp to their feet and a light to their path, that through the power of the Holy Spirit and the word they receive, they would continue steadfast in this faith until that day that you call them forth to everlasting life. All this we ask through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. You're welcome. God bless. Auf Wiedersehen, auf Wiedersehen, tschüss. Ja, jawohl. Ah, enjoy your Bibles. Yes, bye-bye. Okay, good morning. Let's get ready to go here. Uh, if you couldn't tell by that Martin Luther's accent, uh, he was 50% German, 25% Scottish, and 25% Norwegian. So there you go. That's all I got. <laughs> Good to be back with you uh, here today, this uh, Festival of Reformation Sunday. Um, it, uh, uh, Monty Weimer grabbed me before early church this morning and said, do you remember what was going on a year ago? <laughs> and I said, has it been a year? <laughs> yeah, middle of the call process. Do you remember that? It was, I, just, I just can't believe that it's, it's, been, it's been a year already. Thank you for your, uh, your love and uh, graciousness uh, for me and my family as well. Um, okay, a couple things. Pastor Grady and I uh, returned uh, Wednesday, late Wednesday afternoon from uh, our annual fall pastors conference uh, for our English district. Um, we... Uh, normally divide up into regions within the English district, and so we were with all of the uh, betcha crowd, uh, the Canadians, so we've got uh, two circuits up there, I believe, uh, that uh, tend to come down here quite a bit, and uh, eventually we're going to, uh, to, I guess, go to Canada, right, Pastor Grady, to go have a pastor's conference up there, uh, which means uh, we've got to get our passport, you probably already have that, and you're going to need to leave your uh, firearms at home. I'm not sure they'll let you cross the border. Um, so for stress relief, it was a wonderful conference. We spent the afternoon um, at a gun range. Uh, we, we, we both uh, 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 shoot uh, safely, of course. And uh, so we had, a, we had a wonderful time, little friendly competition there. Our conference, I did want to share with you just a little bit about it so that you know that we as pastors don't just go shoot guns and play golf the whole time. Um, and ironically, I think I only drank two beers in three days, which is the weirdest pastor's conference I've ever been to. Um, so things are done a little differently up north, I guess. Uh, but they fed us well. The topic of our pastor's conference um, was uh, exorcism, uh, was uh, the role of uh, the devil, evil spirits, specifically with how do we as pastors uh, deal with the spiritual realm, which is real. And so we had a professor that came down from St. Catherine's Lutheran Seminary in Ontario. Um, I forget his name. Do you remember? Yeah, see, you know, we're too much alike, you and I. And um, anyway, he wrote a book that's entitled My First Exorcism. Um, if you do happen to read it, you can buy it through Amazon or I think CPH. Did CPH publish it? Yeah, just look it up. My First Exorcism. And um, it's, it's kind of written a little bit more towards pastors, um, but it's good. We as Lutherans don't always like the term exorcism. Um, we recognize that there is a spiritual realm. 
Um, and all power and authority is solely in Christ Jesus who has conquered them, okay? So I'm going to say one thing real quick, and then you can email me uh, if you have any questions or anything in your life that you're dealing with that might be overtly spiritual. Um, uh, first thing is that keep in mind, you and I are yet sinners, okay? As a sinner, the father of us old Adams is the devil, as Jesus clearly says, which is why in Martin Luther's first baptism rites, it was very clear, before uh, the faith was confessed, before the baptism took place, uh, three times you would hear these words, I adjure you, evil spirit, to come out from this child. Three times, okay? Now we've cleaned up the language in our last couple of hymnals. Now it just says, do you renounce the devil? and all his works and all his ways. That's not quite the same as doing what? I command you, evil spirit, to come forth from this child. Okay? So you're like, well, there's no evil spirit in my kid. Well, wait till they get to be teenagers, and then you find out. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so th there, there is some, some very real spiritual truth that I think we ignore. We live in a culture that, that really downplays evil, and especially now the new thing that, that I've identified is the fact that evil can change its stripes, right? So that evil can become good. And, and you can become, and, and this, there's a little bit of, of old school Greek dualism behind this, but you can be both evil and good and you just need to make up your mind and choose what it is, okay? So for you younger generation that are into Hulu and Netflix and, and all the other shows that are there, it's just rampant, okay? Uh, which leads to uh, just make the decision for yourself, it'll be okay. Uh, and then that goes not only from, you know, uh, you know, you have the ability to overcome evil within you or evil around you, but you have the ability to just make whatever choices you want, okay? So uh, sexuality, um, you name it, uh, beliefs. And so you hear all sorts of, of, of goofy things. I was watching a science fiction show here uh, earlier this week, and it was a great little science fiction show until... The, one of the actors said, uh, oh yeah, you can believe that Jesus Christ is actually the Son of God, and he said this in the little show, both human and divine, and you can still believe in evolution and science, and he just kind of went down, and I was like, no, you can't. I mean, there, it's, you know, it, it's, 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 it, those are opposites, but in our world today, and, that, and that's what our children and youth are being fed with, so pay attention to that, parents, uh, grandparents, um, and, and I think as, as we gather together as a family. And this Reformation Day, uh, again, uh, the power of God's word, the eternal gospel, and, uh, and what that does, okay? Last thing, uh, if you uh, ever have the hair stand up on the back of your neck and your arms, if you see some weird, freaky things, and, um, and, and I'm not going to list off things that I may have seen or not seen. It's not about trying to scare you or prove that something's real because personal testimony or anything like that. Evil is real, manifests in various ways. And the best way to deal with that is let the authority of Christ be the authority of Christ, which has all power over the devil. Okay? Three very simple things you can do when you find yourself in such a situation. Say the name of God out loud. You know it, right? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't forget the amen. Martin Luther told you that, right? That amen is very important. That's your amen. That's your confession of faith. Now, you can make the sign of the cross. Making the sign of the cross doesn't do anything in and of itself, right? It's just something that you would do to remind yourself of your baptism, okay? If you're uncomfortable making the sign of the cross, that's perfectly okay. It's not a law, okay? 
It's kind of like, uh, how many of you watch basketball? It's getting to be basketball season, isn't that exciting? Go Indiana, by the way, I root for the uh, state that I live in, not the state I came from, uh, so good job uh, yesterday. Um, although both of my home state teams from Kansas did win, but we won't talk about that. Um, so, uh, and our Lutheran High School soccer team advanced to the championship game uh, next week. So, and Zionsville was right behind our game and they won too. So, yeah, good weekend, good weekend, okay. Uh, okay, so what was I talking about? And I got sports on the brain. Um, oh, wow, that goes quick. Oh, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So, no, I, the reason I was going to use a sports reference is if you, you know, with basketball season coming up, you watch people when they shoot free throws, and all of them have a little different routine. But if you, if you, if you watch enough basketball and you pay attention to one player, they'll have the same, and for us golfers, we just call it a pre-shot routine, right? You know, I was a basketball player before I was a golfer. You know, and they might dribble the ball twice, you know, whatever, but they go through the same thing before they shoot, okay? Same thing if you watch, you watch golfers on TV. Most of them will have the same routine that they go through before they hit their hole-in-one. Did you go through your thing before you got your hole-in-one? <laughs> it was really weird. Okay, all right. Uh, so, um, so you go through that, that, that whole thing. Same thing with making the sign of the cross, okay? So it just reminds you of that and does that. So regardless, say the name of God. Secondly, and this is why we, we teach it at such a young age, and, and, and Luther required memorization of it before one was presented to receive the Lord's body and blood, pray the Apostles' Creed. Okay? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Okay? This is your confession of faith. Okay? Now, this is pure gospel. Uh, you are confessing now what you believe and who God the Father is, who God the Son, and who God the Holy Spirit. The Apostles' Creed is short and sweet. If you don't, learn, if you don't know it by heart, I would encourage you to go back and revisit that. Okay? And then the third thing that Luther said, anybody want to take a stab? Make a guess? Lord's Prayer. Okay? The prayer that Jesus gave. Uh, which, uh, keep in mind, is always his prayer. So even when you're saying the Lord's Prayer, even if you're not paying attention to it, it's still the God, God's Word, right? I mean, you should be meditating, you should be focused on it. But I had one lady, I went round and round with it, it took about two years, uh, a great discussion, and she was just like, oh, we pray the Lord's Prayer too often. Or Luther has us pray the Lord's Prayer too often. And she was like, it's going to lose its meaning. If I don't pray the Lord's Prayer and truly think about it, it doesn't do anything. So where I had to direct her was, does God's word always do something? And the Lord's prayer is whose word? God's word, even if you're not paying attention to it, right? I mean, think about little children. We teach them to say bedtime prayers. Do you think these little kids really understand what you're praying for bedtime prayers, what you memorize? Could, could they, you know, wax on and wax off eloquently about the two natures of Jesus or objective justification versus subjective justification? <laughs> they can't do that, but they know it. But it's God's word now in their lips, and the word of God never returns void and empty, right? It's like, it's like a, a, a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. And so, and, that, and that's why we don't have children's church. And that's why as well, we don't have, uh, you know, uh, uh, children's talks or sermons as well. The word of God is for all people, okay? Now we do other stuff in Sunday school and other times like that to focus on that. But when we gather together before the throne of God, it's all ages, okay? So if we're going to do, you know, children's talks and all of that, then we should have we should have a uh, we should have a retiree talk. <laughs> if you're 70 and older, I'll invite you forward. Um, you know, or we should have a, a, a millennial talk. You know, or a Gen X talk. I mean, because then you got to figure out, okay, you know, how many different. And so when we gather together, we're all we're we're all in the same boat, all sinners and all saints. Now there's a time and place to do all that stuff. Okay, so I'm not saying that it's not good and right to do that. It's just when we gather in the in the divine service, we're all together. 
okay? And I used to do children's talks, and, and I mean, part of me, I kind of like them. I love seeing the cute little kids. They say the darndest things, right? And they kind of waddle up the aisle, or they get up when you're talking to them, and it makes the congregation laugh and all that stuff. I, I know you like that, but, you know, let's just get real. The Word of God is for all people. So even in the sermon, kids don't understand, is the Word of God still at work? Yeah. Now, if you need to take them outside and beat them for a little bit to bring them back in, that's fine, um, you know, appropriately. Um, but uh, they're not behaving, but that, that's all part of that, okay? So evil is real. Uh, God has armed us with his word. Uh, if you find something that even through you praying out loud, uh, the name of God, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer, uh, it's still going on, okay? Then what I would suggest you do is call those who are appointed to publicly speak God's word, Okay? Uh, we're sinners just as much as you as pastors, but we have been appointed to stand in the stead of Christ and do that, okay? So I've had situations before that, and that's why we will come, uh, if you've never had a house blessing, and again, that's not something you have to do, um, but again, the word of God brings comfort, uh, and that, sorry, I spilled coffee on my hand, um, then, then call us, and we'll come out, and remember, a blessing is just speaking the word of God. That's all it is, letting, letting the word of God speak with authority in that place, Okay, so you bless others by, you know, confessing the faith and sharing the Word of God as well. So the Word of God is simply a blessing, okay? Uh, thanks to Dr. John Kleinig, who's taught me a lot over the years, and, uh, and uh, Dr. Nagel, uh, who now rests from his labors. I said sainted last week. Somebody called me on that. You're all saints. I know that. Uh, sometimes I fall back into the old uh, phrase of the now sainted, you know, Reverend Dr. Norman Nagel. He was a saint before he died and went to heaven. Um, what I mean by that is he now sings with the saints and the angels above, and uh, which uh, you sing with all your loved ones who have died in the faith when you gather in the divine service, right? And that's why my mother-in-law still gets a little tear in her eye every time she comes to the communion rail. Um, the, the awe and majesty of being there before God's, and, uh, God's throne, and also, you know, her loved ones, her parents and, and uh, her sister who died, uh, and others who died uh, early in the faith. And uh, so, okay, so keep all that in mind. Uh, it's just a marvelous... I don't think the divine service can ever truly be unpacked for what it is, but to continue to teach it and utilize it. Okay. All right, I digress. Uh, questions, comments on anything from last week or what we're covering in the Bible study? Okay. Um, I think we, we actually, we finished up with chapter five. I rushed us through, didn't I, last week? So this should be page 86 in your book. Chapter six begins on page 87 in the actual uh, hard copy tree killing book. Uh, I'm not green, not really. I try to make, uh, let's move on. What the, okay, now what does sacrament mean? Sacrament of holy baptism is what we're, where we're at. There we go, okay. Questions, comments before we dive into this? We got about 15, a little over 15 minutes here. So let's uh, soldier on and see where we get. I forgot to pray, didn't I? We should do that. The Lord be with you. Almighty and gracious Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us steadfast in your grace and truth. Protect and deliver us in times of temptation and defend us against all enemies. And most of all, grant to your church your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The sacrament of holy baptism, vasis das, what does this sacrament mean? As noted earlier, our word sacrament comes from the Latin translation of the word mystery in the Greek New Testament, okay? So, mysterion, um, and, uh, and translated then into Latin, is, uh, is sacrament. 
echoing 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1, uh, where Paul says men ought to consider us as stewards of the mysteries of God. Okay, Uh, so those who are now called and ordained, this is the new office that Christ created, uh, and that's why in the Lutheran Church, uh, we believe that only those who are retable katus, rightly called, should publicly preach, teach, and administer the sacraments. That's publicly. So who should be doing those things publicly? Those who have been examined, those who have been trained, those who are yet sinners. Let's not talk about indelible character uh, like Rome does from time to time. Um, but uh, this, is, this is their job. This is their vocation to do that. And that's all according to the command of Christ. Now, can you still do some of this uh, privately? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, which is why, uh, you know, it's okay to have uh, uh, lay people teach Sunday school classes, right? Privately. Okay. In the home, you also have the authority of, of father, uh, which mother as well uh, shares in uh, and does together. And sometimes when there's not a father, the mother has to exercise you know, the, the parental authority. Okay? Um, so these are all private matters. When you gather together as the body of Christ, then these things come into play. Okay? And so one of the, one of the biggest challenges I, I, that I still see in the Lutheran church, um, and, and it's, this, it's this whole Oscar uh, Foyt, everyone a minister, has just swept through the Missouri Synod like wildfire. And so we've got everybody and their brother publicly, publicly preaching, teaching, and doing that, right? So I think I told you, you know, we, we fought some of those battles back where I came from, still go on, um, with, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, women. They got a church, they got rid of elders, and they called the Board of Lay Ministry. So now it's men and women that are, you know, quote, lay ministers, which is a really ambiguous term to begin with. And so now you have the, the body and blood being passed out by... Okay, I, w- I would say when you, you know, the, the, the best, simplest practice, just have the pastors do it, right? I mean, that's the simplest way if you can do that. Uh, you know, elders, uh, men are there to help, um, but you, you get into a lot of confusion when you start having that, okay? Same thing with lay readers. Who should be reading the Word of God publicly? Now, as a young pastor, I, had, I always picked out my favorite people who could read really well, and I would have them read the Scriptures. Now, what a great way to involve the laity, and then I realized that that was my job to do that publicly, and I was shirking my duties. I mean, you think about it, right? I mean, we're trained to not only interpret Scripture, um, but, then I, but then I got to thinking about the whole, and Luther talks a lot about this, the vivivox of Christ, or the vivivox Christe, the living voice of Christ. So you should run to hear the voice of Christ where you know it is, and that should be your pastor, pastor's voices, right? Which is why when you're troubled by your sins, uh, where does a small catechism encourage you to go? Talk to your next door neighbor. Do you remember uh, Tim Allen? Do you remember his uh, neighbor? What was his name? Mr. Wilson. Yeah, you could never see his face. And so when Tim needed marital advice or whatever, he would go across the fence, right? Mr. Wilson, uh, you know, and it's kind of fun to look at how some of this stuff happens within our culture because there's a need for some of that, right? So Mr. Wilson is kind of his pastor. He kind of is the one that gives him the kind of good, solid advice, helps him kind of work through things, right? Um, now you have a lot of people in your life, and God has put them there for good reason, but when you want to know that the voice of Christ is speaking, uh, especially in terms of absolution, then Luther says you, you run to where it promises to be, right? In your pastors. That, again, doesn't make us better than you, more powerful, more holy, or anything. We're, that's our job. Got it? Just as you would go to a doctor, right? So if, if you're having problems, you're... Uh, you know, your system's all out of whack, 
you're not going to go talk to your uh, car mechanic, um, you know, about your, uh, you know, maybe your blood sugar is a little higher. You know, he might be a diabetic himself and have something to say about it, but, you know, you're going to go talk to your doctor about it. So, so we just need to keep things kind of, you know, uh, standard in that way. Uh, oh, last thing before, and uh, some of you medical health professionals, uh, my sister and her husband, who are both doctors uh, down in Keller, Texas, outside of Docta, uh, Dallas, Texas, sent me a, a petition um, on something that a change Trump had just made in health care law, and I didn't understand all the details of it, but the way the, the they don't really have doctors unions, association might be the right word, forgive me medical professionals, I'm, I'm not up on all that, um, with concerns about the number of hours required for, and I think it was nurse practitioners, okay, does this sound familiar to anybody? And some changes that were made in the number of hours that were required uh, before they could be licensed or something like that. And so, and, and so the, the, the concern was the number of hours that you think of residency, you think of what our doctors go through, and it, it's, is that fair, doctor? It's a lot of hours, and it's a lot of training. And so then to um, make that, say to cut that by, I don't remember what the percentage was, one-third or one-fourth, and, and give other people the same ability, rights, and privileges as, as those who have been trained otherwise. And of course, the doctors are concerned because the quality of health care, they think, is going to go what direction? Okay, right? So we would talk about this in the church as well, right? So, so we've got a guy who, he's a, he's a really good preacher, he's kind of a smart guy, let's just go ahead and ordain him now. But he doesn't get the benefit of, of, of the training, the history, and some of those other things. He might have some natural gifts and talents, but will he ever, you know, be as, without having been examined or taught, that sort of thing. So that's why even like our SMP program, which replaced all of our lay ministry stuff in the Missouri Synod, for those of you that follow this, uh, they're now going to be requiring Greek even for that. Uh, to do that. So there's, there's some good positive things that are happening there um, because we have fewer and fewer men that are, uh, you know, going to residential seminary, by the way. Matter of fact, St. Catharines, which is in Canada, St. Louis, my alma mater, and Fort Wayne, uh, where I'm currently studying, both have around 40, I think it's, don't quote me on this, I think it's around 40, 40 to 50 in, in, in each class. Um, and they're all about the same. It used to be St. Louis when I was there, we started with 145 in the year 2000, and I think we graduated 115, and I don't think they've had a graduating class over 50 in the last five to seven years. So that's coming down the pike in terms of just having pastors for churches, okay? Um, so that, that's interesting. Now, let, let's not be the, you know, uh, chicken little, the sky is falling. I mean, the Lord will provide, but he also gives his brains to kind of look and talk about some of that. Okay. Are you done listening to me? Can we get back to more court? So the ancient church fathers now called the great life-giving truths or teachings revealed in God's word the mysteries of the faith. So gradually the word sacrament came to be narrowed down to only one kind of Christian mystery, namely God-given actions in which the promise of forgiveness and salvation is attached to outward elements like water, bread, or wine. And so the New Testament knows two such special sacraments, okay? So visible element, to take you back to some of your catechism days, uh, in, in baptism, the visible element or that which God's promises are attached to is simple, regular water. Get it right from the tap. It's not holy in and of itself. Read your catechism about that. Same thing with bread and wine. Uh, the bread, there's nothing holy about it. Um, doesn't even have any crosses or symbols on it. My wife makes it uh, in our kitchen uh, Saturday night every week. Just regular, uh, you know, unleavened bread. Okay. 
Like nothing wrong with wafers and all that stuff, but it's just not, it's just regular bread, unleavened bread. You got it? Same thing with the wine. So on the way back from our pastor's conference, uh, your own dear Pastor Grady drug, drug dragged me to a winery. It was really good. <laughs> and we did a tasting on the way home. And I think because he was driving, he made me taste everything. No, he tasted it too, but it was, it was all good. And uh, he ends up, there's a picture of him somewhere. I think he bought like five or six cases of wine. It's ridiculous. <laughs> nah, he just bought like one, one case of wine. He said it was all for his wife. Uh, <laughs> Um, anyway, oh, what was the name of the winery? Real quick. Happy Wife, Happy Life. No, it was uh, Finn Finn Valley. Finn, Finn Valley. Creek, Finn Creek, Finn Valley. Oh yeah, it was it was really really neat. Best apple cider. I've had a lot of apple cider. Best apple cider I've ever had. Most apple cider is way too uh, hard. Cider is too sweet for me, and this apple cider was just, just oh my goodness, it was good. So, all right, um, I restrained myself. I only I only bought a four pack. <laughs> So, all right, let's move on here. Uh, what a wonderful time of year here with the fall. Uh, so gradually the word sacrament came uh, be narrowed down to one kind of mystery. So uh, God's promise is attached to a visible element. Now, consider the remarkable conversion. Look where Marquardt goes with this in Mark 10, 35 and following, okay? Ambition ran high for the sons of Zebedee, not to mention their mother, as St. Matthew uh, 20, 20 and the following does. Might the sons be awarded the privilege of sitting one at the Lord's right hand and one to his left in glory? Go to Mark 10.35 real quick, would you? Let's just pull that up, and then we'll look at Matthew 20.20. 20. Mark 10.35, here we go. Uh, let's read it to get... Ooh, put our glasses on, there we go. All right, you're getting it, son. I know, it's, it's been a tough week. Okay, I'm dizzy. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, let's read together. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you, right? I mean, this, this is the disciples, right? Uh, you know, but so you're in good company. You've probably done this at some point with, with God. Okay, God, just, you know, I've got this one thing that's really, it's keeping me up at night. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's the thorn in our marriage. It's, uh, it's the, the hump at work in the workplace. It's whatever, okay? So I would assume if you're a sinner like me, you, you've been there before, okay? And you're just, you're praying fervently for this one thing, this kind of one situation. Um, and be very careful because the sinner, where did it go? The sinner in you, right, wants to do this, right? Uh, we want you to do whatever we ask of you, okay? Uh, we want to sit at your right hand. Uh, we want power and we want authority, right? One at your right and one at your left in your glory, okay? So we want to surround you, Jesus, and uh, we promise we're going to be there for you <laughs> when it suits us, right? So think about that because you make promises to God, I'm going to do that. You can't keep those promises no matter how hard you promise, right? So, so I've learned over the years to try and stop making promises to my wife. <laughs> you, know, you know why? I mean, you know, okay, some of them I'm, I've been pretty good. I mean, I, I've been, you know, faithful for the most part, although I'm a man, my mind wanders, so, you know, and that's what repentance is there for as well. But you, you're there too, right? I mean, let, let's just call a thing for what it is. Let's be theologians uh, of the cross and recognize the sin, and then we can't do that. We need Christ, okay? 
um, and we can't do that. So Jesus goes on, are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Okay, that's fine. So you think you can make all these promises and fulfill them. You want this power and authority. You're going to be able to do everything that I do, that I have done? And, and of course the answer is no. And the theologian of glory in us doesn't want that anyway. Because when times get tough, you know, uh, we're like Monty Python and the Knights of the Holy Grail. We run away, run away, right? We're out of here, okay? Or will we just, we flip from one thing to the next. We find, you know, greener grass somewhere else, okay? And, and, and all of us have done that in some way, shape, or form, um, and that's why we need now these sacraments. Okay, back to uh, the text here. Might the sons be awarded the privilege of sitting, Mark Bard asks, one at the Lord's right hand and one to his left in glory? As so often the Lord replies with a question, right? And Jesus can do this. I tell my boys, do not do this with your teachers in class, right? If they ask you a question, don't respond with a question. That's like the worst thing you can do. You want to torque off a teacher, that's one way to do it, okay? So, um, so the Lord replies with the question, can you drink the cup I drink to be and to be, or to be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Now, misunderstanding the whole thing in a trivial ceremonial sense, James and John reply, in effect, yes, yes, we can drink anything. Haven't you spent time with us late at night at our pastor's conferences? Uh, okay. Uh, yet here the Lord means by cup and baptism his own redemptive sufferings, culminating in his cross. Can you die for the sins of the world? Can you keep God's law wholly, perfectly, completely, right? All ten commandments. Okay. Um, and there's a little more scripture here. We're not going to get into that. We're almost out of time. So clearly the Lord chose these words to describe his saving work because he was going to establish for his church these two, a baptism and a cup. So Jesus talks about the baptism he's going to be baptized with and drinking from the cup that he's going to drink from. And Mark Quarter is telling us this is more just about, than more about, it's about more than just power, authority, uh, or a synergistic you know, I'm going to help God out or I'm going to cooperate. I'm going to be there for him. Um, it's, it's literally pointing to baptism and the Lord's Supper. That's very exegetically interesting. Okay. And I like where he goes with that. So the Lord means by cup and baptism. Okay. Clearly the Lord chose these words to describe his saving work because he was going to establish these two sacraments. A wondrous ways in which his cross and the salvation gained there might come to us and be given to us. Okay. So remember, in your baptism, you're baptized with Christ in his, who said it? Death. Okay? Um, and so you die with Christ. And that's what the, the, the only thing to do with your old Adam is drown it. Your old Adam can't be reformed. Okay? The, the old Adam just needs to die. And the best way for the old Adam is to die uh, is, is, is one, through baptism, two, through the hearing of God's word, his law. That's why the distinction on law and gospel, the distinction between them, proper distinction is so important. And that's gotten lost in our day and age too, okay? Uh, the, the, you, you don't need the law. We'll just, we'll just give you the gospel, okay? Uh, we live in a day and age where I'd say antinomianism is, uh, 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 is, is ripe and rampant, okay? And sometimes in some very subtle ways, Okay? Uh, so the new man in you needs to be encouraged and, and taught and trained, um, and that, that's still law, uh, but the old Adam in you needs to be put to death, okay? So Mark Quartz talked a little bit about that already. Okay, let's finish up. St. Paul does something similar with the Exodus theme, the crossing of the Red Sea. 
He describes this great founding event of the people of Israel in terms of a baptism and a spiritual banquet in which Christ is food and drink. And let's go to 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 10, verses 2 to 4. Okay? Um, so just as your fathers were baptized in the Red Sea, I could probably run this by memory, but we'll read it together. 1 Corinthians 10, 2 to 4. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to start using my Martin Luther voice. Okay. Let's read it together. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. This is a mystery. They go through the Red Sea, and who are they basically baptized in? Jesus. Except, wait a minute, you Western, lineal-thinking minds, Jesus hasn't been born yet. How can that be? It's mysterious. And that's why Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, goes on to talk about by faith, by faith, by faith. Okay? Uh, and, you know, in, in John's gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's been the same, the Word, all the time. Matter of fact, in John's revelation, early service people, the angel overhead, another angel overhead. I've got a couple of books on my shelf where the... Uh, uh, the academic uh, smarty pants, much smarter than I am, say that every angel in Revelation is actually Jesus. Very interesting. Messenger of God. Okay? Um, yeah, I didn't say I agreed with that. I just said that, so here's Jesus. And it's mysterious and it's amazing. Okay? Now, the rock followed them, but the rock was Christ, but yet they, they ate this food. They drank the same spiritual drink, so they're connected with Jesus. Okay? So think how much more now, um, you know, we always love to talk about our culture in this day and age, and, and, and I lived this for a while. The church needs to change, and the church needs to do this, and then the more I studied history in the Bible, I found out what? Faith is faith, and the Bibles that we gave these little first graders is the same Word of God. The Word of God hasn't changed, and you know what? People really haven't changed either. And as much as culture may pat itself on the back and say, oh, look at how much smarter we've gotten. The more I study history, I don't know about you, I don't buy into that. <laughs> I'm not sure we're smarter nowadays, okay, than what we used to be, okay? All I know is that when my kids come ask me how to do something, I just tell them to Google it. <laughs> and then I feel guilty for being a horrible dad for not taking the time to teach and talk to them themselves. I mean, that's part of the culture we live in, okay? All right, so sacrament of baptism, um, it is timeless. Uh, God gives his grace and mercy. You're connected to so much more than you realize. Uh, and so we'll pick up on more of those truths next week. Let's, uh, unless there are any closing questions. Good, good. Okay. Thanks to our wonderful, uh, can you say amen to something? Uh, I continue to marvel at, at the, uh, the, the gifts that we have here in our parish in so many ways. Um, there's a lot of people that work behind the scenes, but uh, today, and especially if you've been at early service, if you're at second service, you're going to be wowed. Uh, let's, uh, let's give thanks to God for all of our musicians and uh, their special gifts uh, enabling us uh, and uh, uh, serving God's word. Can we just say amen together? Amen. amen. Let's stand and pray the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And if you need any wine, go see Pastor Grady. If you need beer, I've got two big gallons fermenting at home of IPA and vanilla porter. God bless. Peace be with you. Bye-bye.